reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. If you want to follow along in one of the pew Bibles in front of you, that's on page 684. Matthew 6, 5 through 13. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Please be seated. This will uh, shock you, I know. But there are some things about God which are a mystery to me. I don't know, for example, how all this started. When I say all this, I mean all this. Everything that we experience, I don't know how it started. I wrestle with that sometimes. I hear what scientists have to say about how it might have all started. But I don't know what happened. When God said, let there be light, for example, what really happened? When he spoke things into existence, when there was nothing, and all of a sudden there was something, what exactly went from something to nothing? How did he do that? I would like to know. I don't. I don't know what will happen at the end. I read in scripture hints about what it will be like at the very end. I was with the ladies this week on Thursday morning. There's ladies Bible class here and they've been going through Daniel and uh, by, like you can't really get away from it. You have to bring the book of Revelation in there somehow too. And I studied a lot getting ready for that class because there's nothing more terrifying than going in front of a group of 15 women who've been studying Daniel. So I studied intensely, wanting to know what that was all about. And there were some things that I figured out. I told Chris in the office this week at one point, I've learned more about this book than I've learned about it in the last 30 years, just in the last few days. But I don't know how the end is going to be. I just don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how God is three and one. Like people have been thinking about that one for a long time. And I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that question. I'm just not there yet. I don't totally get it. I don't know how directly he involves himself in earthly events. Now, sometimes I know he's very direct in the way in which he involves himself in earthly events. Sometimes, not so much. But what I've noticed is that I can't predict which it's going to be. 
And so I pray sometimes, thinking, God, I really need for you to come in and intercede right here and be very involved, and he's not. And then sometimes, maybe when I haven't prayed at all, I suddenly see him work. And I think, you're beyond me, Lord. I can't map you out. I can't predict what you're going to do. There are things about you that are simply beyond me. I don't know exactly how the Spirit lives in me. I'm confident that he does. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. I know that the Spirit lives within me, but I don't know what it means. Like I think that my biological cells, after the Spirit takes up residence within me, are exactly the same as they were before. Like, I don't think that you'd look at my DNA chain and all of a sudden there's a DNA number there and out there that says, Holy Spirit. Something has been changed. I don't think that that's the case. But I can't figure out how it works. I don't know at all what heaven is really going to be like. Like, have you thought about that? Like, will we have bodies that really are closely resembling this one or not? When I was younger, I always thought of heaven as being this kind of ethereal, uh, spiritual existence without anything that we could really see or touch or handle. It was like disembodied spirits kind of floating around in nothingness with a big throne and there's someone on the throne. But I don't know. I don't think it's going to be like that at all. I'm starting to think that there's going to be some real tangible stuff there. But I must confess, it's a bit confusing for me. Well, all of those big questions are questions that we probably all wrestle with, and you probably don't get them any more than I do. There are some more tangible ones that I also sometimes wonder about. For example, I don't know why a tornado will come down out of the sky with all of its bluster and come to a house and destroy that house and then go back up and then come back down, and it misses the house next to the one that it just destroyed, and it goes to the next one and gets it. And then it may go back up again and miss three, and then it gets the next one. Why does that happen? Now, there's probably some weather expert in the auditorium today who could tell me exactly why that happens, but I can tell you I don't know. And what I really don't know is, Does God have a hand in that tornado going down and getting that house, but not that one? And it gets that one and then skips three and gets the next one. Did God, did he do that? I wrestle with that. My impression is, no. But sometimes Christians have thought that's exactly how he works. I don't know why a tree say a 300-year-old Douglas fir, will fall right at the moment that a pickup truck passes by and kills the truck's occupant. That's exactly what happened to my stepmother's first husband. He was a logger driving through the woods and a tree fell for no apparent reason and killed him. Five seconds later, he would have been fine. Five seconds before that, he would have been fine. But the tree fell and killed him. I don't know why of all the little girls in the world who needed parents, that God chose to give us the most precious one of all. When some little girls and boys and some parents don't ever make that happen. 
Why is it that it happened in my case? And that I'm so blessed. I don't know why God, in 1989, at least I assume he had something to do with this, had a gynecologist tell Robin and I that she had ovarian cancer. And that it was very unlikely, not that he said this, but that she was going to make it. And so for a week, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I remember that the first appointment was on a Wednesday, and her next appointment was on a Wednesday. And on the first Wednesday night, the church got together and prayed. And on the second Wednesday, she had surgery. And the doctor was attempting to save her life because he thought that's what he had to do. And he calls me on the phone after the surgery and he says, the words, they're etched in my memory. When he said three or four times a year, we are completely fooled. And this is one. And she's fine. I don't know why there are other husbands sitting here today who have heard the words, your spouse has cancer. And why in some cases things end up okay and in some cases they don't. And by the way, Jill told me this week that she, at one point her numbers were at 550,000. And when I talked to her on Wednesday morning, they were 72. I don't know why I can tell you stories about Robin or about Jill where everything seems to be going so well and then I can tell you stories that don't sound like those at all. There are an awful lot of things about God and the way in which he works that I don't get. But there are some things I do get. We've been talking for a while now about what it means to grow in Jesus Christ. What it means for us to mature in the Lord. And the things that we can do to, to be more mature in Christ. And how God blesses us in various ways for us to grow. And one of those ways, and we saw that on Tom Rainer's list of the things that a person needs to do in order to grow in the Lord, is to be involved in a very active prayer life. And I can't tell you all the mysteries for why God does exactly what he does in some situations and why he doesn't. But here are some things that I can tell you about prayer because they come right out of Scripture. The first one is this. I know that Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I know that Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I read that Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. I read, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. 
I know that it says until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. These scriptures are not isolated. It's like one after another where God is saying that he's going to do what we ask him to do. I know that Jesus says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I didn't write that. Jesus wrote that. I know that Jesus frequently prayed in the middle of the night and that he got up early in the morning to pray and that he was intentionally praying before others so that they could see him pray. I think of the incidents with Lazarus, for example, where in John chapter 11, Jesus says, Father, I'm coming to you not because I don't think you hear me, but because I know you hear me and I want to say these things right in front of the people around me so that they can see me praying. I know that he prayed all night, by the way, with reference to his crucifixion. I know that my favorite chapter in the Bible is John 17 and it consists of the longest prayer of Jesus, the prayer he prayed only a few hours before he was arrested and that most of his prayer, here he is getting ready to die very soon and what's on Jesus' mind as he prays? You. You are. He's praying for you as Jesus gets ready to go to the cross. I know that First John says this, as John says, Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. I know that John also says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Now that specifically says that we need to pray in line with the will of God. Sorry, where are we here? I know that James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I know that in the parable of Jesus uh, where he talks about the persistent widow that he told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not Give up. I know that in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul told Christians to pray continually. Now, I don't know how many scriptures there were just then. There was a bunch. That's called a litany when you give a whole bunch like that. That's a litany of scriptures. There's a whole set of passages out of the Bible that say something very specific about what it means for us to pray. And what it says is that God honors prayer. Is he always going to do absolutely everything that we ask for? Well, I think there are hints that he won't. 1 John 5 said that if we ask anything according to his will, he grants it to us. But we all know there are times when we pray, and we pray with faith, and we don't get exactly what God is, or don't give ex, get exactly what we would love to have, because God, his will apparently is for something else at that moment. But God allows us to pray and to ask him. And there are times I'm absolutely convinced when God allows his heart and his mind to be affected by our prayers. I think of Abraham praying for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And saying, are you going to 
to still destroy the city if you can find faithful, 50 people there who are faithful? And God says, no, I won't. What about 40? Okay, I won't. What about 30? No, I, I won't then. What about 20? What about 10? And God, after saying he's going to destroy the city, apparently doesn't because he's asked not to because there are faithful people there. And we are called to pray continually. Now here's the great tragedy. I also know that we don't have sometimes, sometimes it's obvious that it's just God's will to do something else. But sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. James chapter 4 verse 2. And with all the promises that there are for us to ask and to receive. It's a tragedy that the church then would maybe not ask. We need to be an asking people. God through his spirit wants to bless us and make available to us his blessings. And he wants us to ask. We all know that God wants us to be something wonderful as a church family. He creates church families for us to do great things in this world. He wants, so clearly, Jesus says, for his kingdom to grow. And so he, I think he puts us in Calgary. He puts us in the northeast part of Calgary specifically so that we can have an impact. And he says that we can do things like not just impact northeast Calgary, but we can impact Zambia or Zimbabwe or the Ukraine or India. Papua New Guinea. Those are all possibilities for us. And we need to just keep praying that God will bless us with those kind of opportunities and bless us with strength and, and the means that we need to get things done. But we need to ask. And he will bless us when we ask. And so here's what I'd like us to do. I want us to please divide up into groups of five. I want you to choose somebody in your group to close your prayer. So maybe there won't be anybody else in your group who will pray except the person who closes. That's a possibility. Or it might be that you have five people who pray. That's a possibility. But I want you to divide up into groups of five. I think you can do this quite easily. And I want you to pray. And here's what I want you to pray because I, I don't want us to be not asking. When God is ready to bless us, it would be a tragedy if we didn't ask. And so I want us to have because we ask and God blessed us. And I want us to ask specifically about the future of our church. I want God to bless our ministries here. I want God to shower down the richest blessings possible on our congregation and for us to flourish because God was a part of us blessing us. So, groups of five. Choose somebody to pray or to close your prayer, I should say. And then I'll finish things up. Please do this now. Lord God, we thank you for the privilege we've had today of coming before you in prayer. 
And Father, we'd ask that you would bless us, not just on this day, but in coming days as we pray to you. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your authority and your blessings. We need the presence of your spirit. Father, we're a, a weak people. There are, there are sinful persons among us, and I'm one of them. But God, we believe that you transcend our sin. We believe that you transcend our weaknesses. We believe that you intercede, that you come and live with us through your spirit, and that you do, do things among us that could not happen were you not here. And so we thank you and praise you for that, and we put ourselves completely in your hands today. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. There's a passage that we just read a moment ago, but let me read this again. It says, This is the confidence we have to, in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of Him. There are lots of things about God that I don't know. This I know. Let's stand and sing, please. <laughs>